0: High. It's a dig!
1: Friday, April 15th, afternoon episode Just Baseball Show. Jack McFarlane with both Peter Apple and Arm Layton. We got the gang back together to discuss the week that just was. And kind of like our main takeaways from the beginning of the MLB season were officially what? Six games in, seven games in, and uh, things are starting to take form. Stephen Kwan is still running roughshod over Major League Baseball, and Casey Mize can't get a single swing and miss. So we're starting to even out here. I- I'd say so, right? I think. Are we starting to even out when Stephen Kwan's hitting seven thirty? Maybe
2: I think he's so. the only one that won't even out. That's probably where he'll sit. Yeah, I- around. Between 600 and 750, I think, is accurate. for you guys, are, you guys are being ridiculous.
0: He's going to normalize it around like 450 Yeah, and just hang in there for the rest of the year. Actually, though, on that topic, top three F war leaders this year so far, Jose Ramirez at 0.9, Owen Miller of the Cleveland Guardians at 0.7, tied with Stephen Kwan for 0.7. Yeah. The Cleveland gonna-
2: Guardians have scored 44 runs in their past four games. But I still,
1: yeah. You guys are already taking all my fucking takeaways. Don't do that. We're doing top (laughs) takeaways from this week. Don't do that at all. We Uh, didn't know. An offense that we thought was anemic um, is one of the better offenses in baseball. We'll get going with that shortly. But first, um, how was the week of just sitting here and being in baseball hog heaven, Peter Apple? Oh, just the best. Oh,
2: just the best because... In the off-season, you get done recording. We get done with all of our work, and there's no baseball to turn on. There's no way to relax into the night. But now we have full-fledged baseball starting at 1 p.m., going all the way to 1 in the morning. It's just all-day, every-day baseball, and that's why I love it so much because it's
1: – and I put this on Twitter. It's a constant stream of happiness. Yeah. Aram, how about the minor league season? I know you got the iPad going while you watch the big league games too.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun, man. I I, I try to balance it all um but it's it's crazy cuz it just gets my laptop all hot yeah, um yeah. so you know that's it's either fan graphs or MILB tv your, your computer sounds like it's going to explode and god forbid you have both open at the same time it, it actually is like feels like a ticking time bomb but MILB season has been awesome um a lot of takeaways i actually just talked about on the call up was you know it's a little early to make any crazy Uh, takeaways so far but you can look at some individual performances that look really good like Brett Beatty is hitting the ball in the air a ton stuff like that so it was really fun so far uh, balancing everything a lot of baseball and then we're gonna have the College World Series soon too so we're gonna have like peak baseball in the middle of the summer it's gonna be crazy
1: we're a month away from the conference tournaments getting going and then we got regional super regional College World Series I mean, we're ramping up with the minor league season. We're almost through two weeks at the AAA level. We're through a week and a half at, at double high A and single A. Um, and then MLB season is going full form. So we're going to do kind of like our top three, four takeaways from the week so far. We each came with three or four. Um, you want to go clockwise or counterclockwise? Clockwise feels a little bit better, right? Counterclockwise, too confusing. Yeah, right. So on my screen, Pete's in the top left. Pete's going to go first. I'm going to go second, and then Arm's going to go third. Pete, get us going with one of your main takeaways from this first week of Major League Baseball. What's going on with the White Sox pitching staff? That's my first
2: main <laughs> takeaway. Lucas Giolito is now on the IL with an abdominal strain. He's progressing progressing nicely uh, those are his words i hope he's okay but he's still on the il cease no problems there he looks great but right now he's pitching today so we'll see how that ends up i'm actually fading him i have the raise plus 125 we'll what, see how what that the goes. hell why bring that up so we'll talk about that in a bit copex velocity is not 99 to 100 it's more in the mid to upper 90s but it's not as electric as we might thought coming out of the starting rotation initially and Keiko and velasquez uh, of course are going to have their troubles And I don't really know who Jimmy Lambert is. (laughs) So with all that said, and I'm not going to totally pile up on them because they have the eighth best team ERA at 3.08 but they have faced the Tigers and the Mariners. And then their bullpen has not been as good either. They're now 14th best in team ERA. So my question to you, Jack McMullen, how worried are you about your White Sox pitching?
1: I'm super worried, Pete. Uh, The best bullpen in baseball just had Anderson Severino make his big league debut yesterday. Who's Anderson Severino? Who's Jimmy Lambert? I know who Jimmy Lambert is. I do too. Jimmy Lambert Lambert is... He, he's put together some mediocre Thursday night starts <laughs> before in a White Sox uniform. That, that's who Jimmy Lambert is. But the reality is this. Lance Lynn's probably on the shelf for two months. Yep. A- and Lance Lynn was going to factor in in a major, major way this year. Giolito, I'm kind of worried about, but not really. There's a chance that he misses one or two more starts and that he's back. You know, Okay, we'll see how he looks after that. Um, the one start that Giolito did make the results were solid agreed, but he was missing letter high with changeups. And I know that he gets away with the high changeup. I know that's part of his arsenal, but it didn't look as good as it has looked in 2019, 2020. So I'm a little bit worried about Gilito's stuff. I'm worried that he can't play off the fastball as much as he had in recent years. Cease looks like he's going to contend for a Cy Young. I'm totally in on Dylan Cease, but you're right. Kopech was 96 to 97 arm brought it up last week. Michael Kopech. Does not throw as hard as Carlos Rodon anymore because Kopech is trying to stretch himself out into being a starter. When to be totally honest, I don't think Kopech should be a starter. I think he should be the best swing man in baseball, which is what he was last year. Interesting. Um, and then Kid Kaiki at Kid Kaiki <laughs> won his 100th career game, which is the dumbest Twitter name ever. I'm sorry, Dallas. If you listen to this podcast, change it, dude. <laughs> no Kid Kaiki, <laughs> you're like 34. Um, and then Velasquez. I, cool tattoos on the arms, but I, I think I'm good without Vince Velasquez in my starting rotation. So there you go. I'm Just, nervous. You go. I'm
2: nervous. and But we're going to break into my second takeaway which has something to do with that AL Central because the AL Central in itself, like they could still win the division with below average pitching. I mean, below average, it's not going to be below average. It's still going to be above average. But my thinking is with the White Sox, do you think they're anything above a first-round exit this year?
1: Oh, God, you're going to make me answer that right now?
2: No, I mean, that, I'm not going to make you answer that right now. Just that's where I'm seeing them again. I don't think they're taking this an additional step into ALCS World Series type.
0: They they need Rodon, right? Like they they need somebody with that upside. I think Lance Lynn Shut up. Shut gonna be, up, shut up. <laughs> I think Lance Lynn's going to be fine when he comes back, but I'm not confident in Lance Lynn in game 2 or game 3. I think Dylan Cease is a huge 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 development for them if he continues to take that jump. But yeah, in, in a 7-game set or even a 5-game set, I'm a little bit nervous and the problem with the White Sox is Even if they're competing with some of these other teams, I look at the Blue Jays, I look at the Yankees, I look at some of these other teams, the Rays, they can all go out and get whoever the hell they want. How are the White Sox getting help? How are they getting uh, an impact arm without trading from the big league squad? That's the worst system, if not bottom three system in baseball. And look, the the big league team's talented. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're they're going to win the division. But yeah, Peter brings up a good point. Like, are are they built for the postseason? I don't think so. And how do you help that? How do you facilitate that when you have no prospects? It's a really tough spot. They would probably have to trade from like their first round guy this year and then, you know, trade from recent draftees and maybe a big league piece. That's tough. It's tough. So they're going to have to get really strategic this year, I think. Uh, And it really depends on the health of Lynn.
2: Jack, they already said that they wouldn't trade Andrew Vaughn for Frankie Montas. Would you trade Andrew Vaughn for Frankie
1: Montas? I would not yes. trade Andrew Vaughn for uh, Frankie Montas. Uh we'll see what groaning. happens at the deadline if the if the necessary return for Oakland goes down at the deadline, uh and the White Sox are one of the main buyers. Like, does a Gavin Sheets if he has a good Why front would half go of down? the year? You think at the at the at the trade deadline, everybody's gonna be hunting for Montas. I feel like it could go up. So maybe you wait a little bit. Maybe you see if there's some dips. If Montes has a couple bad starts in a row, you know, maybe the value goes down and you can go get Gavin, go get him with Gavin sheets and Colson Montgomery and then maybe somebody else. But like that's probably not enough. It's probably Vaughn for Montes or it doesn't happen. And I don't want to do Vaughn for Montes because I what really is, like Andrew Vaughn. Why yeah, just sack up and trade Andrew Vaughn? I don't I mean, wanna. He's, he's a good bat without
2: a real position.
1: I don't want to, dude. He's an amazing bat. That's amazing. the thing. Uh, it could amazing. be an amazing bat. He's an amazing bat. What does that mean? It means it's he was a top like 20 prospect seven. in baseball last year without having a real position. He is raking so far this year. And he is raking so far this year. That is true.
0: Well, I, they rushed the hell out of him. He, he jumped from 29 games in high A to straight to the big league. So they rushed that. I, I think he could put it. There, there's a scenario where you make the trade and you're like, oh, shit, why'd we do that? Um but I would, I would consider it. I really would, I but would you got to wait, right? Like yeah, I wouldn't do it now. I'd, I'd see how Vaughn's doing two, three months from now. See how Montus is doing two, three months from now. Uh, but like, I I'm never afraid to trade a DH first baseman, stretched out outfielder type guy. I, I'm never really afraid to trade those dudes, but yeah, if you can find a way to trade Gavin sheets, Colson Montgomery, and somebody else uh, and make it happen,
2: Hell, make yeah, it happen! Give them all your garbage for Frankie Montas. Like all the people don't who think don't play Sheets for and Frankie Colson, Montas Montgomery are garbage. They're not Basically. garbage. They're just not playing on the White Sox that
1: much. Oh, um, do you want my first takeaway, or do you want to rip off all three of yours and then we just go like that?
2: No, I say we go in a counterclockwise or let, let, whatever. Uh, clockwise we're going clockwise. Going. Remember, yeah. you said
1: counterclockwise was stupid. Uh, my stupid. first takeaway is that Casey Mize may kill me. Yeah. Casey Mize has faced forty-five hitters, uh, and he has four punchouts in forty-five hitters. That's a four point one two FIP. Aram, before you say something, hey, before you say something, Casey Mize has a four point one two FIP. Bailey Ober is at five two two. So I'm winning by more wow. than a whole point right crazy. now. Crazy, crazy! The fact that I just to like spite
0: you had to pull out Bailey Ober to to try to beat the number one overall pick uh, that threw a no hitter two years ago in Double A. Also, I was giving you for those on on YouTube. I was giving you my shocked face that that Casey Mize has four strikeouts in in the season so far. Uh, Ober is going to settle in. Mize is is Mize. I, I still like my Ober bet, uh, but yeah, I mean Casey Mize just just
1: he's not good. I want to lose this one. I'm happy to lose this one. I like Casey Mize. I know how sad it is that that I'm competing with you in a fiery competition, Casey Mize versus Bailey Ober. I wish it was like Casey Mize versus Luis Castillo, but that's not the reality with Casey Casey Mize anymore.
0: No,
2: unfortunately not not
1: that good. It's like the splitter is the pitch
2: and the splitter is not like a Carlos Rodon slider.
1: Can we admit that Erod looks like shit?
2: (laughs) Thank you. I was talking about (laughs) him on not gambling advice with Colby and I'm like, dude Erod is not that guy we went through all the stats I won't go through it there you check out the episode of not gambling advice but he is still so on the Erod train and dude, I'm like you watch him and each one of his pitches sucks and I'm <laughs> like the changeup is fine and he's like no the changeup is great and I'm like look at the cutter it's getting beat up on uh, all of his pitches aren't that great now you know he couldn't wear earrings in Fenway now he's wearing earrings and You can't wear (sighs)
0: earrings for the Red Sox? Can you not wear earrings
2: for the Red Sox? Sox?
1: No. Huh. Now he gets to wear earrings
2: in America, and he's getting
1: crushed. So something I do with my broadcast partner in Indy, Howard Kelman, is we do this date in baseball history because this guy is is an encyclopedia. He's a legend. Like he can tell me – I asked him Ted Williams' career walk numbers and he just gave me the exact numbers. Stan Musial, he gave me the exact numbers from his 1948 season. Just like that type of guy – um so this date in baseball history 1971 Reggie Jackson had a mustache for the Oakland A's 1971 he was the first major leaguer with facial hair since 1936 I didn't realize that we went from 36 to 71 with no facial hair
2: Gossage wasn't oh Gossage was later yeah yeah what mhm that's lame N- or cool, let or the kids lame.
1: play.
0: <laughs> you think people were just super rattled about like a mustache? Oh my god, <laughs> so unprofessional, short circuiting. Uh, Aram, yeah. what's your first takeaway? Also, I wanted to just do one quick thing on Erod real quick 42 fastballs, 14 pitches that also registered as a sinker. I don't know if it was a changeup that he threw too hard or if it was the sinker, and then he just mixed in the cutter changeup, up and slider 6 6 and 4 times respectively what is he doing
2: he's throwing all fastballs he's throwing that's them. what i'm saying arm he doesn't 80% look good. percent fastballs i what am i missing here am i missing something yeah i
0: don't know what's happening over there i'd, I'd love to talk to you rod why are you only throwing fastballs talk anyways, to colby he's his number one fan yeah colby is his number one fan wait wait for the x5 to kick in <laughs> yeah. um Okay, I have a few different ways I can start, but I want to start positive. Uh, my childhood hero is encroaching on 3,000 hits. And, yeah. uh, you know, I like, I I don't want to be the guy that makes a historic moment about me, but, like, I'm going to make this one about me. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm oh, going to yeah. do it, though. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Um, when, when he does it, I won't make it about me. When I write the article, I won't mention myself once. But I will say, like, Miguel Cabrera, made is, is the player that made me fall in love with baseball. Like it might've been somebody else. I'm not saying that I would have been playing like a cross if it weren't for Miguel Cabrera, but like, I grew up Marlins or whatever. Uh, I, I start watching Marlins right after the world series. And I mean, like I wanted to copy Miguel Cabrera at, at, I couldn't wait to go to the little league field and copy Miguel Cabrera. My dad used to make fun of me in the batting cages. Be like, Oh, you've been watching more Miggy lately. If Miggy made a little tweak to his stance, I made a tweak to my stance. And I mean, it, he was incredible. Uh, to see him still going, obviously he slowed down, uh, but to see him still going and encroach on another milestone is just one makes me feel old, but two, it's just super cool. It's the first time where we're finally at the age where we can say we saw a guy's entire career, yeah. uh, and, and and historic career, and that is really awesome. Uh, Jeff Conine always talks about how much Miguel has like matured and how he's such a great leader, uh, and you know he did go through some some moments throughout his career where. Uh, he was a little immature but how he turned the corner and just as this awesome guy and infectious love for the game. And I'm excited to talk to Jeff about it. But Mickey's hitting 318 so far this season. I assume he's not going to keep that up. But seven hits through his first 22 ABs. He's now six away from 3000. Um, that's going to be really freaking special. And I'm glad he's still getting the opportunity to do it. On a, on a Tigers team that's trying to get younger, he's still helping out right now. And that makes me very happy.
1: Well, I also like that he tagged up and scored from third on that fly ball to left. You see him scooting. That was yesterday.
0: He's he's still an athlete.
1: Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah. Miggy's going to be, it's going to be super, super special because what the, the home run accolade was that 500 for Miggy last year. That was, I mean, even that hit home, right? Like you see Uh Dan Dickerson calling that and it's like, Whoa, that's so cool. And I know that that really registered with you 3000 is an entirely different threshold for him. It it really is. And what's amazing to me
0: is you, know, you saw Albert Pujols, who I, I'm going to be rooting so hard to see him get to 700. It was cool to see him hit that first home run. It's going to be hard to get 20 more. Uh, but Miggy's still hitting 310, even after the decline. You know, Pujols, his, his decline put him under the 300 mark. Yeah. Miggy's going to finish his career comfortably over a 300 career batting average. Not only is this guy a Hall of Famer, not only should he be unanimous, uh, I, I just can't wait to to see what the final stat line is across the board. He's going to have 3,000 hits, he's going to have 500 home runs, it's going to be over a 300 career hitter. Uh, it, it's just a ridiculous pair of MVPs, a triple crown. Yeah, He's up there top with some of the most decorated players of all time.
1: Dude, I mean, agree? don't forget the triple crown. That's what, the, That's what the only triple crown since 76?
0: Earlier, 67, Mike Yaskramski.
1: Yeah. Yaz was the last guy to do it. That was 67. I believe so. How about that, man? All right, Peter, what's your next takeaway? One of the greatest right
2: handed hitters of all time. But my second takeaway, and we'll stay in the AL Central, we'll stay on theme. Are the twins good? That's my takeaway. Are the twins (laughs) a real contender this year? Peter's takeaway is a question. (laughs) It's a question. Because I'm really not sure, and I really wanted to bring it to you guys because you guys are a little bit higher on the twins than I am. And I am always just kind of a, they got to prove it to me. And so far, they just aren't. They're two and four. Again, they played the Mariners, but they did play the Dodgers and they got absolutely beaten down by the Dodgers. They aren't hitting. They're second to last in team batting average, they're 24th in team OPS. The only guy on their team who has an OPS, you know, above 900 is Byron Buxton. But Byron Buxton has struck it out 10 times. And the reason his OPS is so high is because he has, of his five hits, three of them are home runs. Gio Rochella is not really hitting. Gary Sanchez is not hitting. Max Kepler, not hitting. Miguel Sano, a lot of guys on their team. Correa, also off to a slow start. They're catchers, everyone. And then the pitching, middle of the pack, bullpen, middle to below average, I don't know if the twins will even finish second in this division. And I'm curious to what you guys think.
0: Didn't we just anoint Byron Buxton the, the goat when healthy? Yeah.
2: So I'd like to clarify that take because what I'm saying is I think he is still one of the most talented players I have ever seen in my life. I'm not taking that away, but the difference between talented and best is a lot different. Trout is a better baseball player when I'm talking talent. I still am on that boat and I still, I mean, he still has a 975 OPS, you know? But – and he has three home runs. But what I'm saying is that the Twins as a whole,
1: I don't know how well they'll do this year. If Byron Buxton was an NFL quarterback, is he Josh Allen? He's more like Herbert.
2: Okay. Because Herbert can run with Allen – Eh, who's a better athlete, or who's a better more who's a more talented
1: football player?
2: Probably Josh Josh Allen. Allen's the biggest
0: freak is, show I've ever
2: seen. Is Josh Allen football? more talented than Herbert? Then I get that's the yeah. answer. Then yeah, sure. Josh Allen
0: flies. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But here's my thing with the twins: Buxton's not going to hit two seventeen. Correa is not going to hit two eleven. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see on Kepler. Uh, but I mean, you can put Kepler. I still don't think Kepler is an everyday player. I think he's a platoon guy and a really freaking good one. He should be platooning. The good news on the twins is that they have a lot of reinforcements and Jack just saw some of them in the minor leagues. Jose Miranda could come up and legitimately, I never like to count on rookies to to boost my team's outlook in that present year. But if anybody could, it's Jose Miranda who hit 344 last year with 30 pumps and he's doing it again this year. That's somebody that can help them. Larnick has looked bad. You can probably speak to that, Jack, but that's another guy that they can throw into the fire there with some power. Uh, they, they can rake. They can rake and they're not calling those guys up yet. Um, I would like to see a little bit of Miranda in the lineup rather than really seeing Sano. some of the guys like Urshela Sano. every day or Sano, Sano every no, day. Sano's the problem. Barbara. It's Sano. No, but, but Urshela <laughs> offensively is like – I would like to see some of those at bats, some of those plate appearances go to Miranda. Like split time between those two spots. So uh, I think that would help them a lot. Nick Gordon, like, is Nick Gordon a guy for you? Uh, nah.
2: Made a nice diving play a couple days ago.
1: Oh, nice. Here's the deal: Sano went over on Wednesday afternoon. Jose Miranda was playing first base for St. Paul on Wednesday night. Like, he, Jose Miranda nope. is yeah. the substitution for Miguel Sano, and he'll be great. He'll be better. So there, there's an
0: offensive upgrade on the pitching side. Yon Duran's a huge development. I think Oh, he's
1: amazing when he's life. on.
0: Chris Paddock helps. We'll see how he continues mm. to, to throw for them. Um, I didn't think he looked horrible in his first outing. Uh, they have other minor league pieces too that could come up and help them on the mound. And I'm interested to see if they call them up. And they could also still go out and make a trade. They have the system to do it. I think they want to win now. I think they're going to go out and get a starter I'm still confident in the twins. And I like what we've seen from Sonny Gray so far too. So uh, very interested to closely watch Joe Ryan's start though and see how he continues. Cause they need Joe Ryan to be like a legitimate middle of the rotation arm for them.
2: Yeah. My thinking is that if they don't hit, they're not going to win games. Like no. There's not other ways this team can win. So if the offense is not churning on all cylinders, they just won't win. And that's showing right now. And we went through a lot of the pitchers And you're right. Some of them have some potential. But, you know, if Sonny Gray isn't the same Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan is not all he's cracked up to be, like this is a bad rotation. And then you also don't have a great bullpen, especially sending Rodgers out of there for Paddock. Now the bullpen is much weaker. I just, with how exciting the Guardians have been and with how I still think the Tigers can be good this year, the thinking behind the Twins is is this still just a fourth place team?
1: Yeah, sweet transition there, Peter, because my next takeaway is that the Cleveland Guardians are an offensive juggernaut. (laughs) It's revolutionary. We thought that could be the worst offense in baseball, and here they are. I just want to roll through the MLB batting average leaders to this point, because Stephen Kwan is first, hitting 526. Owen Miller, like Aram mentioned, is second, hitting 524. And then J-Ram is third, hitting 480. The Guardians, this will not stay. I, I promise you this will not stay. They might lead Major League Baseball in singles but be dead last in extra base hits um, because it's just J-Ram and Fran Reyes providing extra base hits. Robbie, Bobby Bradley might hit 12 homers but then have 150 strikeouts. Um, like the Gu- We exactly. got to gotta latch on to the Guardians <laughs> while we can right now because one of my other takeaways, I'll, I'll clump it together, the top four scoring offenses in baseball right now and this is why I love weird early season stats. Top scoring offense in baseball is the Cleveland Guardians. The Oakland A's are two, hmm. the Padres are three, and the Texas Rangers are four. All offense.
0: That's insane.
1: Uh, I, I will say this
0: I, I'm a mild straw believer. I think his offense, I think he's going to continue to progress to be a slightly above average offensive player. We know how good he is defensively. Uh, Fran Mills finally hundred percent healthy Rosario finished the year fantastic last year. And, and I think, you know, it's going to be a decent piece for them this year. It's been swinging it again, pretty well. Owen Miller's going to come down to earth a little bit, but, but Miller has been somebody that crushed upper level minor league pitching yeah. year after year. So maybe it translates. I, I don't think the power is going to quite be there, but he's a dude that can swing it a little bit. And, and another team that has a lot of, a lot of minor league guys that could come up and help them. I don't think that they're going to be a top offense, but this team only needs to be a, a top 15 offense to legitimately make a push for the wild card. Uh, I, ultimately, I think they fall short, but I remember I, I wrote a piece uh, on just before the lockout saying uh, that the, the guardians aren't that far off and that they shouldn't burn it down. Right. Like we talked about it in the GM episode. And I think it was after the GM episode. I made, I made that, I wrote that article and I remember guardians fans were like, Hey, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. This is a little bit extreme here, but I think it's a a testament to the fact that they're not that far off. I really don't
2: think they are. They're going to cool off. Don't get me wrong. But they've got legit pieces. Aram, see, that's why I I say that with the Twins. Because aren't you more confident in the Guardians this year? At least for me, like, I know the Guardians are going to pitch. And then the offense, it's not going to roll like it is. But it's not that far off from the Twins, in my opinion. Like, I, I just, I really do think that the Guardians could have a better year this year. I I totally think they could. I totally
0: think they could. I don't think anybody was sold on the twins being like this, this electric,
1: you know, frontline team. I think they're going to be very close, neck and neck in the low 80s. The only people saying hang the banner after the Correa signing were the people that live in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Like that's those are the only people that were saying that. I don't think anybody. What? That was a shout out our friend, Noah DiOrio, who was definitely saying
2: hang the banners uh, after the twins got (laughs) Carlos Correa. I guess I I just felt that you guys were higher on them than I guess I was.
1: Well, because I think that they are for sure going to hit much like you think that the Indian or the Guardians are for sure going to pitch. The twins are for sure going to hit. They're going to hit.
0: All right. Well, you knew my next takeaway was going to have to also be one that was a little bit uh, close to home. Uh, I was watching the Marlins game yesterday, yeah. and it was their home opener. The Marlins decided to have Kim Ang in in the booth, uh, and and she was talking to Paul Severino, the Marlins play-by-play guy, and J.P. Aaron Sebia, their color guy, uh, about kind of the offseason. And, you know, in general GM answers, and then they're asking basically – What's the center field situation? She pretty much admitted that Jesus Sanchez was the backup plan, uh, which I thought was interesting, um, even though we all knew that. It was one thing to hear it. But then she was talking about the Avi Garcia signing, and she said, yeah, Avi Garcia is a guy that's, you know, hit 30 home runs on multiple occasions. We're really excited to have him. Problem is that Avi Garcia has actually never hit 30 home runs. This is not a bashing of Kim a. This is more so to just show you how much of a mess the Marlins front office is and how much Kim Ang was not even actually able to do her job while Derek Jeter was there. Obviously, Al Garcia was a Derek Jeter guy. Derek Jeter wanted Nick Cassianos. Derek Jeter wanted a lot of different things, but it just shows you how how little Kim Ang was. Like Kim Ang probably had nothing to do with that Avi signing. Um, She had to do with the Cole Solcer trade, which I loved. I think she's done some good moves since, but you could kind of show there's like just little things here and there where you realize, whoa, Kim wasn't really involved with that. Kim wasn't involved with that. And you can see it. I would venture to say Kim had nothing to do with that. Avi Garcia signing, which I, which I on record hated just had his first hit. Uh, But anytime your GM doesn't know how many home runs or how many times a guy that you just shelled out 54 million, which is a lot for the Marlins has hit home runs 30 times. Uh, that is absolutely petrifying. And I was just curious what your guys' thoughts are on that.
1: So my initial reaction is that is for sure a Jeter thing. Uh, Jeter kind of blocked Kim Eng out and signed Avi Garcia. And when Kim took over, I think she knew that the media was going to press her about the Avi Garcia signing. Because once you scrub Jeter from the front office, everything past, present, future lies on Kim Eng. and emphasis on past there. So people are going to, you know, when Avi Garcia sucks, they'll say, oh, come for Kim Ang's head, right? Because she's the GM. She was still the GM at that point. It, it, she had nothing to do with it. I will say this, though. Um, media training 101 is you got to you gotta figure out how to protect your ass. Yeah. And I don't think Kim did that. Um, I think you have to be able to justify the signing in, in a way that um, – It works for everybody within the organization and she couldn't really do that. Avi hit 29 homers last year. He had 20 homers in 2019. You can say he's coming off of his best power season of his career. That's easy. That's easy enough. You can even say he's coming off of a 30 homer season last year. Nobody's going to grill you on 29 versus 30. But when you say something like multi 30 homer seasons, you're wrong there and you got to know with the GM lens through the media perspective, everything you say that can be fact checked will be fact checked.
2: Yep. Also, are you saying she hasn't looked up Avisel Garcia's stats? She's the GM of the Marlins and he's their the biggest signing of the offseason. I'm not saying it's her fault. Because probably, I'm on your side. I, I think this is was a cheater signing after he didn't get Castianos and and just gave a bunch of money to the best outfielder that he saw in his opinion. It goes to show Michael Conforto still remains unsigned, by the way. That's like still insane.. Correct. But come on. Come on. You didn't look up the fan graphs? You think she just misspoke reference like once?
1: Could have been misspoke. Like, I just on. I don't remember like, the team. It's not comfortable. Be honest, though. You guys have been on a hot mic before. We're on a hot mic right now. When you're on a hot mic, you are uncomfortable for the first however many times you're doing it. When you put a headset on in a big league broadcast booth, that can be terrifying for somebody that is not a big league broadcaster. I'm not saying it was terrifying for Kim Mang, but I'm saying that she had to get buttoned up and she has to think on the fly and say everything correctly you got to you got to walk on eggshells in a way that you don't walk on eggshells typically well, and, and
0: again that's in and, and, and her defense this has just been such a shit show for her to, to like she's over overqualified in a lot of ways she should have been a gm earlier and i think that this situation that she was thrown into kind of just set her up for for failure i don't think she's going to fail yet like she has more than enough time to figure things out but she was thrown into a situation where Gary Denbo and Derek Jeter ran the show. Craig Mitchell come back on the show and tell you that himself. Uh, But like everyone kind of knows that that's how it was going. So you're a GM that doesn't have a lot of autonomy that doesn't get the experience to uh, be able to be the one making calls and interacting with teams. And then all of a sudden Jeter ups and leaves. And now you're just thrown into the fire. Gary Denbo's a lame duck that had a player development. He's going to be gone after this year, his contracts up. Now she's just thrown into the fire. Now she's got to like catch up and do everything after she was, really not even able to do her job in the beginning. It's unfortunate in a tough spot for her, especially because where they're at in the rebuild and now there's pressure to win. Now she's got a lot going on. Uh, I'm rooting for her, uh, but I had to bring that comment up one, cause I hated the signing anyways. Uh, but two, it just kind of shows how much things were in disarray in the front office and how they're still trying to catch up and kind of chase their own tail from all of the chaos that came into this year.
1: That's fair. Um- All right, we'll get to our final takeaways in a moment, but I know that Loop had some very decent pulls arm, Leighton. Yes, yes. And so they, first of all, after they
0: had last week, I was like, okay, let's see what they send me. because They'll send me an email of all the biggest hits. And I don't know what this card could possibly be worth. A one-of-one Tops rookie Shohei Otani autograph. Oh, that was the one I was freaking out. I was like, I'll send you guys the picture, <clears throat> excuse me, but I couldn't send you guys the picture in tax it wouldn't deliver. I was like, okay, you guys need to send like an individual email with that one in there. So one of the sellers pulled that for someone who broke just a tops, a tops pack. Could you imagine pulling that? I don't even know what an Otani rookie is worth. You so- just made...
2: A couple tens hundred and thousand.
0: tens and tens, maybe more. Yeah. A
2: couple hundred thousand dollars. Just to remind people of what loop is, because loop is this new app where they're pulling cards on a daily basis. Kind of think of it as Twitch meets your local card shop that you can Correct. go in and you have all these different breaks going on and then you can enter into these breaks. And what we're talking about now is these daily pulls. They're pulling These insane cards, like an Otani one of one. It's unbelievable that you can enter in for such a low price and then cash out with some of these amazing cards.
0: And that's, that's the cool thing is there's so many people that are, are breaking and selling, you know, at all times on there, you go on the app right now, it's L-O-U-P-E and the the link is going to be in the description of the podcast. Go check it out. But like some of these tops packs, as Peter mentioned, are super cheap and to pull like a one of one Otani is just you know I'm not gonna true? promise anyone else can do that. Uh, cause like some other people went to like absolute baseball, which is like a, a more expensive uh like signature series set, and someone pulled a, a Juan Soto autographed baseball like cutout piece oh. in a car. That's super cool, but that's probably like a more expensive buy-in. Someone bought into a regular tops break and pulls a one of one Otani. Uh I've never seen anything like it. It's like gold around it. And the coolest part is they just ship it straight to your door and it's, and it's good to go. Like you don't have to go pick it up anywhere. You don't have to worry about anything and it's good to go. One other one that was insane was a patch autograph tops 11 out of 25 Wander Franco, which by the way, we got some, we got, I I knew we'd get some heat. I knew, I know Peter wanted him a little bit higher 10th on the shortstop rankings. Uh, did the Rays comment on that TikTok, Peter? The
2: Rays commented. I saw the that. Rays commented tenth. And I was like, am I about to go to war with the entire Rays organization right now, or is it really just a social just media tell them, person like, behind like, just commenting?
0: Prove it. Prove it. But that's so. That's the thing. Everyone on tops right now, or that's opening <laughs> tops, is going after uh, that. That. Uh, wander franco rookie card uh but on top of that one thing that loop is doing that i know they really wanted us to to let people know and i'm excited about i'm going to nominate my local card shop they're doing an america's best card shop competition which is designed to just celebrate the lifeblood of the hobby i mean i know you guys probably can relate growing up when we were really young sport like card shops still existed and then they kind of started to disappear because brick and mortar card shops were hard to justify. And yeah. now with the hobby exploding again, we're seeing them re-emerge and a lot of different local card shops all over. So Loop is partnering with Tops and Blowout Cards to crown the best hobby shop in the United States. And we're going to link that in the description as well. You, If you want to nominate uh, your favorite card shop or you are the owner of a card shop and want to nominate one, this is a really cool way to do it. I believe the winner... Gets, I know they get a lot of stuff, but I believe they get some sort of crazy prize, a ton of uh, a ton of free products. They become a loop partner, uh, one of their main partners, along with a lot of other really big time things, and a $50,000 check. Oh yeah, also that. Uh, that's, so that's,
2: that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's yeah. the
0: oh by the layer. So yeah, whether you want to nominate somebody for this uh, for this big competition here that we'll be working with them on, or you want to chase – there's no more one-of-one one Otanis in that top spring. <laughs> but there's some others that will be pretty insane. Um, I'm going to wait for Loop to let us know what that one-of-one one Otani goes for. If anybody knows, shoot me a, a tweet what you think it's worth. Um, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna tweet out pictures of these cards so you can check them out um, on my personal Twitter because uh, I think people need to see some of these Loop hits. But, yeah, I'm going to be buying now. Uh, this weekend, I will be – because the best part, the last thing I'll say on on Loop is – it can be like 12 o'clock and at night and you're just sitting there and you're bored and you can go and there's some late night seller on there. The second you jump in, That's someone's so like, Hey Ram, what's going on? Yeah. And I'm like, hell yeah. And I'm on there in the chat. Hey like, Ram, you buying anything? Like, though, because you'll see, it'll say like arm joined and I go in and I'll buy something. They're like, all right, Ram, let's rip these. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to sleep tonight. What?
1: Um, Here's I'm the deal. Like, it's, it's 1253 on Friday afternoon. You've got six breaks that are currently live right now. And then I'm looking at the schedule. You have one at two o'clock, one at three o'clock, one at four, one at 515, one at seven, one at nine, one at nine, one at ten, one one at midnight, one at 1215. And then tomorrow at 8 a.m. They get going again. Like they don't let it you is relax. constant go, go, go on the Loop app.
2: They don't let you relax. And I love it. <laughs> I broke us either. We don't let you relax. They don't either.
0: Before we move on to our final, uh, our final takeaways, uh, uh, embarrassing admission: I did one time rip a pack on the Loop app at a bar. Virtually,
2: God. dude. They will love to hear that arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arms out partying, breaking card packs, breaking at a bar. cards on Loop. <laughs> That's the real party.
1: All right, <laughs> whose takeaways next? Peter's final takeaway.
2: My final takeaway, the Yankees pitching looks pretty real everybody. The Yankees currently right now at 12:55 p.m. on Friday, they have the second best ERA in baseball as a pitching staff at 2.49. But it goes farther than that. The bullpen has been what's phenomenal. 1.30 ERA, that's second best in baseball as well, behind none other than the Colorado Rockies, which is just insane. And that just goes to show for early season stats. And this was put out on JB Stats and Info, our new stats Twitter page run by our guy Colby Olson. Besides Garrett Cole, the starting pitching is at a 195 ERA, and that was highlighted by Luis Severino in the dominance over the Toronto Blue Jays. He his five fastest pitches were at over 98, 99 miles an hour. The changeup looked incredible. The command was there, and he got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. after a three-homer game to strike out four times. The Yankees rotation combined with Nestor and Jameson Tyon and Jordan Montgomery, Garrett Cole will be better. He's had some tough outings in the first inning in particular, but then he settles down. That seems to be the Garrett Cole special these days. But overall, you look at the bullpen, even in last night's game, Aroldis Chapman comes in. And what did I say? If Aroldis Chapman is under 100, He's blowing the game. What was he at yesterday? 98 walks the first three people. But then a guy like Michael King comes in, gets a strikeout, then the double play. The Yankees bullpen is so deep. The rotation goes six or seven deep. This is a real pitching staff, and I'm I'm liking it because in previous years, this always seemed to be their kryptonite.
0: I, I'm with you. I also love that we're subtracting Garrett Cole from the ERA to make exactly. the ERA better. Yeah, Hilarious. Love that. Um, Severino being potentially back is one huge for the Yankees. Two is just great. I mean, he's so special. When we had Nestor Cortez on the podcast, you know, during the lockout, Nestor was like, I mean, this guy could be as good as anybody in baseball. We we all know that. We all know that. But really, I, I really had thought that the ship had sailed just because it just seemed like every time he starts to come back, he's hurt again but fortunately he came up so young. He's still young. He looks really freaking good. I hope he can stay healthy because I mean, that is such a great development for baseball in general, but also for the Yankees, it's massive because you know, Garrett Cole is going to be better. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be $300 million Garrett Cole, but he's going to be better. And if the ERA for the team is great, despite that the bullpen's amazing. Ron Marinaccio is, is a cult hero. Um, this team can play and they've got some arms that are close to big league ready in the minors as well. You look at like Hayden was uh, You look at Ken Waldichuk could do some middle relief or spot starts. Uh, they've got plenty of guys that can come in and contribute as well.
1: So you, you look at Chapman and yes, he sucked yesterday, but he still hasn't allowed a run. Yeah. Loizaga no, hasn't allowed a run. Chad green looks solid. Litke looks solid. They are getting contributions from everybody. I mean, the two worst ERAs by a country mile right now are Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery, right? And those are the two best pitchers that you thought you had coming into this year. The bullpen has been lights out, like you said, Pete. But if three, four, and five are not a problem for the New York Yankees, I mean, they might
2: win the division. I mean, and Jack, you just named a bunch of bullpen arms. You named around five or six, like then Wandi Peralta and Clay Holmes. That's the bullpen. Like, that's an incredible, deep, bullpen. And then you even had guys like Clark Schmidt come in and give you innings. And he looked pretty good. In he looks start. pretty good. And then I- you can even throw a guy like Debbie Garcia in there. Another guy like Luis Heel, And then Domingo Herman's going to come back too. And then you already have the five. This is deep. If a guy goes down, they have another guy to slot in and a great bullpen. I'm very, very excited about what I'm seeing from this pitching stuff.
0: I'm with you on every single guy, except for Davey Garcia, but he's like their ninth best starting pitcher. I, I might that's incredible. Behind, I might put him behind Ken Waldachuk at this point. He's <laughs> not bad. He's got a good curveball, Man. Ken Wald. Yeah. He, I think, uh, it's an 853 ERA for uh, Davey Garcia through you his first You also have to know Debbie starts super triple.
2: young, still pretty He's young. A, 22. He's 22. Sucking in triple A, a little bit younger. A little bit younger. And he, yeah. what, what, we're, we're, we're trying to get on the Yankees for their ninth guy in triple A? Like, that's no, the I'm, I'm saying big. I'm
0: with you. I'm with you. Just, just not Davey. Um, I'm out on Davey Clark Schmidt. I believe in more at this point, I think.
1: Ooh, I just disagree with you, but agree to disagree. Staying on starting pitching though. My final takeaway has to do with the highest whiff rates among starters. Um, cause the list is fun. I did top eight. There we go. Is that, <laughs> is that Davey Garcia? No, it's the better you're lo- pitcher. You're oh, looking at Schmidt. You're
2: looking at a billion dollars. Ever seen it in the light. Clark That's a Schmidt. billion dollar card.
0: That's like Bitcoin, but like in 2000 and whatever
2: Schmidt coin.
0: Schmidt
1: coin <laughs> <Schmidt-Coin. laughs> fun um staying on starting pitching though I want to walk you through the top eight and whiff rate through their first couple of starts number one's Clayton Kershaw because he just punched out with 13 and seven perfect innings so that's kind of the outlier here two is Shane McClanahan we knew that McClanahan was going to be up there and McClanahan is second among starters in whiff rate right now Kyle Gibson three Corbin Burns four Kyle Hendricks is five and then you go Cole, Gosman, Otani. Hendricks got absolutely battered in his second start, but he was dealing in his first start. But I, I think it's very funny that through the first couple of starts, you're seeing the swing and miss numbers. And there are a couple outliers here, Kyle Gibson, Kyle Hendricks, for sure. But with McClanahan being near the top and with Otani, with Cole, with Gosman, and with Corbin Burns being up there too, those might be the guys that slice and dice their way through the year. Gosman
2: looked pretty good in his first start against the Yankees. You um, made Giancarlo looked like an idiot. Yeah, he did. He looked good in spots, but he, he did give up a couple of runs. And in his first start, he didn't look great too, but the stuff looks good. And that was what when I was talking on pitchers I like and pitchers I don't like. Like I was telling Braves fans, don't be worried about Max Fried. The stuff is still great. He just run into a little bad luck. I feel the same for Kevin Gosman that he's going to be totally fine. Because that's that's an interesting picture. Because remember, coming over from San Francisco, how is he going to be after that amazing Cy Young type first half, then tough second half? How good will he be? From what I've seen so far, even though the results aren't quite there, he does look good. I like this stuff.
0: It's crazy the whiff rates early on, right? Um, I I'm going to talk about struggling rookies. But before I get to that, I wanted to just give one shout out to a not struggling rookie. Andres Munoz, if we're talking whiffs. Holy crap. Well, Ooh, I, admit, crap. I, I kept reminding people in that, in that Austin Nola trade, it's like, do not forget about Andres Munoz. He's on the shelf with, with the bow, but he's going to be nasty when he comes back. I did not think he'd be this nasty. He had five swings at his slider. Uh, last outing five misses. Um, he struck out 73% of batters so far, three innings, eight Ks. He hit one Oh three on the gun. Um, this guy, if he stays healthy, will be a lights out closer for a long time. I've never seen big leagues, I can't think of many at bats that I've seen more uncomfortable than the big leaguers against Andres Munoz. To the point where Jason Benetti, I was watching the White Sox broadcast, he was like, Thank goodness, this guy's out. And it was, and it was, who'd they go, Drew Steckenrider, who came in who was dynamite last year. And yeah. they're like, Thank goodness, Drew Steckenrider is in. Like, that's when you know. Uh, but I wanted to talk about struggling rookies because it's
1: early. Oh, did you have anything on Munoz, Jack? Real quick before we move on, the amount of uncomfortable s- swings I saw from the White Sox against Andres Munoz in the day before Matt Brash. Matt Brash, yeah, dude, crazy. And he I know was... you'll probably get to Brash in a moment because he did like he didn't struggle. Um, no, he was great. I thought he was great. But that stuff when we talk about whiff rate, Matt Brash could actually be one of the league leaders in whiff rate this year.
0: I think his, his slider will be, uh, that breaking ball will be. Um, and I want to see the fastball dominate a little bit more. It, he was not really locating it as well, east to west and up in the zone, but uh, it didn't matter because the slider and the breaking 96. ball was so good. Still 96 too. It, it's 96, it was, it was playing. Uh, but, you know, we were talking about it going into the year and I said, I had a little bit of concern about uh, how Bobby Witt would, would get started. He's shown us flashes. The glove is phenomenal. Uh, the bat is a little bit laggy to get going here. Not too worried about wit. and I'll, my larger point here is, let's be patient on these young stars, because baseball is really freaking hard, especially at the big league level. Wit hitting just a buck 25 so far, but I'm seeing some good signs of life from him. Same with CJ. Abrams, who's hitting just a buck05, but hit his second hit of the big leagues with a backside home run the other way. Torkelson's starting to heat up literally. He just needs to get warmer. We know how that works. Uh, Bryson stock kind of the same thing, but one guy I really wanted to talk about that I am concerned about is Julio Rodriguez, not long-term concerned, just short-term. What do you do concerned? Julio Rodriguez is going to be a star for a very, 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 very long time. And we were always pushing like, this guy should be up in the big leagues. This guy should be up in the big leagues talking about different prospects. So I always want to support a team being aggressive, but this was the one time where I was like, eh, He probably could have used a little bit more seasoning in the minors. he had only played, what was it? 30, 40 games above high A uh, in his professional career. It was actually 46 games above high A in his professional career and missed a large part of the season to play in the Olympics last year, which was fine. But that does kind of get away from the, from the classic development track. He has not had that much experience, let alone experience in center field. So now he has to really answer to center field get acclimated out there defensively and get acclimated offensively. He's not doing it. He's striking out 52% of the time so far, 12 Ks in 23 plate appearances. He he just doesn't look competitive up there. It's isn't a CJ Abrams struggle. This isn't a Torkelson struggle. This is a guy that might not be ready kind of struggle. Um, And I think they jumped the gun, especially with who they have already at the big league level. And I I wouldn't be surprised to see Julio Rodriguez back in triple, which just, they shouldn't have done this whole thing.
2: Yeah, Aram, the biggest thing that people are in our DMs about or are talking to me about right now is why I didn't bet on Julio Rodriguez to win the AL Rookie of the Year, even though I've been – fully on board saying like, oh, I think Julio Rodriguez should be the best rookie out of this whole class. He's my personal favorite prospect on just baseball. He might be two, three, or four, but he's one of the best prospects in baseball. I just didn't think he was ready yet. You say yourself 46 games above high A and now he's getting pushed into the major leagues. It's a little early for me. And center. And playing center. Center, And he's got to deal with a new position too. And it's so early in the season that I just I thought this season he wasn't going to have a rookie of the year type year, but he still could be the best bat out of all of them. Oh, for sure. Right now, like I'm watching too. He's swinging and missing a lot, a lot. He's missing easy pitches too. It doesn't look great. No, it's just,
0: to me, it's just a guy that's not ready yet. He's going to be phenomenal. He's going to be a superstar. He could win MVPs. I I just don't think it's now. (laughs) It's just not now.
1: Hey, I, I do want to push back on you clumping C.J. Abrams with Torkelson, though. You said he, he's not like Abrams. Abrams, like two for 18 or two for 19. I know he had his first career homer yesterday, but, I mean, he has looked vigorously outmatched in a couple of his A.B.s.
0: Yes, but at the same time, he's not striking out. He's walking. He's playing great defense. I think he'll settle in. Whereas you have someone like Julio Rodriguez, who's struggling to adjust the center and is punching out 53% of the time. I, I think I think Abrams is going to settle in there. The gloves look great. He's walking. And the, he's not striking out that much. I, the whiff rate's about average. I, I really think he's going to settle in and be just fine. But, yeah, it's been, it's been a rough start for him too.
1: Okay. Interesting. Uh, we got one more guy, Mackenzie Gore, debuts later tonight. I said he needed to be up to break camp. He was not up to break camp. He shoved in El Paso in his lone start, so now he's starting in place of Blake Snell. Go lefty for lefty. I am more excited to watch McKenzie Gore than I have been to watch a pitcher in a very, 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 very long time. That's I've how I was really on excited. Brash. Yeah.
0: That's how I felt. So I'm excited too. I mean, this is this is big time. I, I broke down his start a little bit on the call-up uh, to kind of tease this, this out, uh, you know, debut today. His first start, he was 95, 97, touch 98, mixed in all four pitches. Slider was fantastic. Change-up was good. Um, he did get barreled five times. Uh, I think that's going to happen. The fastball is, yes. is is somewhat of a flat profile, but he has the built-in deception and the four pitches to work off of it. If he gives up a solo home run or two, like, that's fine. I think that he's going to be able to limit the damage, though, and mix things up, and I'm really excited to see how he how he rises to the occasion.
1: What I want to point out before people watch Gore is the curveball is going to be what people fall in love with because it is an aesthetically pleasing curveball, the slider and the changeup are, are his two best pitches. The slider is the, the slider has the possibility of becoming elite very quickly. And the changeup, the way it plays off that relatively straight fastball is incredible. Seeing slider changeup and seeing him work with the fastball and curveball off of the slider and the changeup, I, that's the type of guy that can go seven scoreless with 75 pitches. Totally. Totally. Kind of described a young Kershaw there a little bit. that's what he was when he was in high A, right? People were branding him in 2019 as a young Kershaw.
2: It's funny, just like we just saw Kershaw in the perfect game, and now you're describing this young left-hander with the hitch and the leg kick and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I'm so otherworldly excited. And my last sort of takeaway that I just wanted to throw in here at the last second, Astros are still the favorites in the American League. I know we were kind of talking about that. They're pitching is the best in baseball right he's now great. in terms of ERA. Oh,
0: talk about a rookie too, Jeremy Pena. He looks great. 820 OPS with, with stellar defense.
2: Looks great. They didn't team. have to
0: replace Correa. He just had to be decent, and he's been more than that.
2: Like we talked about Framber. We talked about Luis Garcia. They've been good so far, and even guys like Jose Urquidy have been good. Javier. has been good. Javier's Jace. been good, and then you go in their bullpen like Presley. They're just – everyone is churning out Inning after inning of good, excellent pitching. And if they can pitch like that on top of the offense, which really hasn't gotten going yet, they are a very scary team.
1: And when we settle in and when they add McCullers back to this rotation, exactly. Damn. Damn. And, and they're gonna add Jake Myers
0: back to the lineup too, which I mean isn't groundbreaking, but that's another really solid bat that was great Just for them in the good postseason. Players.
1: Just more Siri yard the other day. I yeah. love Jose Siri. Siri's hitting
2: four fifty-five through yeah. his first 11 And eleven. Bregman's bats. been good too. Bregman's been great. Yeah. Hey, so this is a team to watch. I mean, not to watch. We already know you're watching the Astros. I'm just saying, you know, maybe Blue Jays, maybe Rays, maybe White Sox, maybe Yankees, Red Sox, Angels, Mariners. Astros are my number one team right now in the American League. Send them into the weekend, King. Get your just baseball merch. I'm rocking my not gambling advice. T. We're on a roll with Not Gambling Advice, so go check out that podcast talking fantasy baseball and gambling. Go check out Arm's podcast, the call-up talking prospects on there. Still Top love 100 it. list live Monday. Top 100 lift, list live Monday. Join our chalkboard. It's our baseball group chat. We're talking baseball all day long there. The link is in there. Give us a follow on Twitter. All of our social medias are in there as well.
1: What else? We got... date of the um, Division debuts on Monday. State Yay. of the Division
2: Davies on Monday. That's going to be a fire, fire podcast. It's daily. So think of it as the New York Times, the kind of the daily episodes. you got 15 to 20-minute blips about each division.
1: I will be handling the AL East, Jacks in the Central, Arms in the NL East, Let me run you down. Mondays, AL East, Peter and Colby Olson. Tuesday, AL Central, myself and Ryan Miller. I'm still going to call him Intern Ryan. That's going to be Uh, a Wednesday, AL West, Kendall McKee and T. Wright, two of our card guys talking about the AL West. Thursday, NL East, Aram, and then one of our lead editors, Ryan Finkelstein. Uh, Friday, we've got NL Central, Ethan Badowski and Clay Snowden, who are as excited to do this thing as anybody under God's green earth. Uh, and then uh, Saturday is going to be NL West with our West Coast guys, Dusty Baker and Derek Johnson. Not that up. Dusty Baker. No, but but it's the second
2: best Dusty Baker I, I know.
1: Yeah, me too. That I
0: know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I would even call him the first because personally I don't know Dusty Baker.
0: That is true. He is number one. I met
1: I met Dusty Baker, the manager. So I, I will say, uh, Dusty ah, Baker, dang. our Dusty Baker is the second best Dusty Baker I I have met. Sorry, Dusty. Love you, Dusty. And with that, thank you, everybody.